welcome to another episode of Web3 Disruptors. I am delighted to welcome Lauren Ingram, who's the founder of Women of Web3, which is a community helping women make the leap into the world of Web3 through job opportunities, learning resources, and connections. She is a marketing leader with experience in agencies and tech companies, including Meta, where she's responsible for Meta's multi-million dollar program for female entrepreneurs. She means business. As a consultant, Lauren helps businesses to win in Web3 by demystifying the opportunities. She also hosts the Women of Web3 podcast, where each week she interviews a different, incredible woman that is making moves in Web3. Welcome to the show, Lauren. We're delighted to have you. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Very happy to be here. Good. Maybe as a starting point, could you share a little bit about your background with our listeners and explain how your journey took you into the Web3 space? Of course, yeah. I've had about 10, 12 years of experience across ad agencies, so kind of digital agencies and tech companies, anywhere from tiny little startups of kind of four or five people all the way up to Meta, which is obviously like tens of thousands of people. And I feel like I've always slightly had shiny object syndrome. I've kind of bounced around between a few things and kind of thought, oh, that looks interesting. I'm going to pursue that. That looks interesting. Go and pursue that. And I have actually found when speaking to recruiters at different points of my life, they've kind of gone, where's your staying power? But I did also wasn't really sure. I did find that I wasn't sure where I fitted in really, like exactly what my role should be within an organization. Was I didn't like being sort of constrained to like just strategy or just something creative or just organizational. And so finally feel it's something like web three and also getting to run my own business have finally kind of gone yes okay like now this is my comfort zone of being able to this job didn't exist at the beginning of my career it like, uh-huh. definitely didn't and so so I've well a now the industry exists but b I've also gone and created that job but the reason I kind of got interested in all things web three was because it, it'd been sort of bubbling away on the periphery of that you know that looks interesting but then when my contract at Meta ended and I didn't manage to go full time because they had sort of like headcount cuts. I also found out I was pregnant and kind of went, okay, need a new plan. This was a couple of years ago. And I was thinking, what can I learn about to skill up? And I was thinking at that point, try and get back into big tech and sort of, and remain in it. <laughs> As it turns out, again, shiny object syndrome, I kind of went, actually, this looks even more interesting than what I thought I was trying to get into. So I kind of never looked back. I sort of created Women of Web3 initially as what I thought maybe it was a side hustle, but I think I even announced it as a side hustle. And then it's sort of taken over my life and it's a sort of fully fledged business. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So talk to us about the community then, Women of Web3. What what does it look like? What What are the members really kind of getting through that experience? And how's it evolved from when you first started it? Ooh, good question, actually. So I mean, the Women of Web3 as, as a business is kind of split into the community itself and then also the sort of consulting side of the business, I guess, as a way of monetizing. Sorry, from a community point of view, what we offer them is jobs, learning resources and connections, as you mentioned. So we have a, a talent collective that women can be, apply to be part of if they're interested to go and work in this space, like anything blockchain, even AI related, or maybe kind of uh, like a, a job we shared in the last few days is a senior product manager at Mattel, which owns Barbie that kind of thing. They're, they're looking for a, a sort of Web3 focused product manager. And alongside the jobs part, there's also 
learning resources like a, a weekly podcast called the Women of Web3 Podcast. And then the connections wise, that's mainly been in-person events in London, but we've got ambitions to to grow it beyond that. So not only London and not only in person, because people are saying we'd love to sort of dial in online or how else can we participate, get involved? Because we have got a, a global community. Um, and I suppose why people come to us is they're thinking this Web3 thing looks really interesting. I kind of don't know where to get started. I'm starting to get overwhelmed as soon as I start Googling what are gas fees, what's the metaverse, et cetera. And so they're just looking for a kind of trusted partner of like, who's going to just tell me this stuff in a simplified way. Mm-hmm. And I won't feel scared to ask what feel like silly questions. And it feels like we're managing to offer that to people. That That's the sort of messages that we get sort of weekly, if not daily basis is saying, thank you for kind of making it accessible, making it make sense and helping me get involved. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the idea of a safe space in an industry that feels that it can be a little exclusive, actually, that the premise of it is inclusion, but to just understand even the jargon and to feel that you're speaking the same language, I think is really hard for new people coming into to the space and can be a little bit intimidating. So there's no question that's needed and is really going to make a difference in terms of onboarding people into to Web3. Why is that something that was important to you? So from a purpose-led standpoint, like why do you, I guess, care so so passionately <laughs> about bringing more women into Web3? I do think it's a, a, a massive problem that really needs solving. I just think it would be mad if women and other minoritized groups get left behind in this massive wave of innovation that's happening. Mm-hmm. I would hate to see that happen. And it, it does feel like it's at risk of becoming the case. So. I do have some background also working in kind of inclusion related, whether it's like projects or even I worked at a sort of diversity and inclusion consultancy while I was pregnant and sort of looking for other roles and worked on some amazing projects with people like uh, Google and Virgin Media. And as part of that, I sort of been learning all about the kind of pretty horrifying statistics in terms of the lack of inclusion that you see in tech more broadly. So as soon as I started learning about Web3 and as you talked about that kind of jargon piece has a sort of gatekeeping effect of mm. if you don't understand the lingo, then you're locked out and you're yeah you're not included. And so it felt, okay, if I thought there was a problem in big tech in terms of diversity, that's it's even more pronounced in Web3 and we really need to address that. I did find though, as soon as you start talking about diversity, people A, instantly think just in terms of the gender binary of like men and women. And B, if you try and go beyond that and talking about anything to do with intersectionality, anything like the feels like the sort of walls come back up and people aren't ready for a mm-hmm. conversation about it quite yet. But I, so I think inevitably we might end up in a position where in the same as sort of big tech and big business, we had to sort of do it in almost like the correct order of, okay, we're going to address the women thing first because that's kind of most glaring big issue. Then we can start thinking about race. Then we can start thinking about disability. Then we can start thinking about this, all these other kind of aspects of diversity and think more, more, holistically about inclusion but but yeah in the meantime as i say the sort of the women piece is what feels sort of glaringly obvious but also something that me as lauren that i'm able to address that's Mm -hmm. one of the few things that i can sort of start making progress on so so i'm passionate about the much wider piece but i'm also not necessarily sort of poster woman for all aspects of diversity Mm -hmm. Um, i'm I'm not so it's kind of 
it's just thinking about what impact can I make and let's start there and then sort of team up with the right partners to see if we can make it bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You bring up some really great points and I would tend to sort of agree in terms of my own experience of seeing where organizations land on this particular topic. It is easier to tackle gender diversity. And I think about this as a Brit living in the United States as well, where there's a lot of sort of like kind of very deep issues in terms of racial disparity in this country, which are actually feel incredibly unique. And when you look at the recipients or the beneficiaries, I should say, of the recent movements to, to diversify boards, as an example, the biggest beneficiaries of that have been white women, which is, that's great on the one hand, but it also just further illustrates your point that it is the state it is the closest thing to the status quo and and so the challenge i think with web3 is absolutely there is a an issue in terms of gender representation within the space but we also do have to get to some of these other things and so if you look at big tech again it's certainly here in in the states that they've not really gotten on to the other things so it's sort of that's just further down on the roadmap but mm. we've actually got the resources within these giant organizations to to tackle all of it. And so you've got you and I really trying to focus in on specific areas, but you do need companies to step up and, mm. and to look at ways to do it all because you can. What's the temperature that you get from organizations when you're talking about diversity more, more broadly? When I'm speaking to Web3 native organizations, I would say talking about diversity can be a bit of a turn off mm-hmm. for them is the impression I'm getting. And I think reading between the lines, the conclusions we're coming to is not that people don't care. It's that people are so focused on growth that anything that's not business critical goes to kind of the bottom of the pile, the bottom of the to-do list. And it's we're going to see the same pattern as we saw with something like big tech, which is that we'll they'll wait for everything to kind of implode and it becomes business critical to address uh, sort of lack of diversity and I guess we'll be ready and waiting when that is the case mm-hmm. but, but yeah. I think, also think you're right on that on that point around these kind of organisations things like Women of Web3 and other equivalent organisations communities etc shouldn't only privilege shouldn't only benefit women who are already privileged so I don't know, as an example that's something we sort of try to think about from the get-go is getting things right and so it's not only yeah going to help people that need it the mm-hmm. least so yeah just one small example is that all of our resources events etc are totally for free because you don't have to sort of buy an nft you don't even actually have to have you don't have to transact on the blockchain at all you can just literally listen to the podcast and um, turn up to events for free because we don't want affordability to be a kind of factor mm-hmm. or like a barrier for anyone and actually if we're talking about making Web3 accessible, that we need to make it truly accessible. And actually, I think there's even more we need to be doing on the kind of accessibility and inclusion point of view in terms of like how accessible is our content from a disability standpoint. That's something that I haven't, like I need to make uh, more of as a sort of one and a half person organization that, yeah, uh, yeah, that isn't something that we prioritized, which I 
which is understandable. <laughs> what I was also going to say is not, it's also not really okay if like we're really talking about wanting to live our values, then mm. that, that doesn't live our values. But so yeah, unfortunately, it's, yeah, that, that hasn't been the top of our to-do list. But but that's why these businesses make these kind of choices. But I also just really agree everything you're saying about the if we're talking about a more democratized version of the internet, that's the promise of Web3. If everyone can own a piece of it, but actually not everyone can. Like lots of NFTs and sort of cryptocurrencies, things like that are prohibitively expensive already, mm-hmm. even after any kind of crash. You have to have a certain sort of Wi-Fi or just resources in place to be able to access this stuff. So I do worry about the sort of combination of maybe Web3 and AI exacerbating some of the disparities we already see. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why it's really important to do what we can to ab- educate absolutely everybody and sort of make sure those doors are open to everyone. Even just kind of highlighting, here's the kind of roles that you could be working in. Again, I'm sure that's uh, part of what you work on as well. Is That's the reason it's important to diversify who's working on this stuff is the products are going to be in the hands of everybody or they ought to be in the hands of everyone. Like um, all of these sort of digital products, et cetera, should be for everyone to use. So it should have a sort of diversity of thought in terms of who's designing that stuff. So yeah, I have a feeling we're probably passionate about all the same things. Yeah, I think we definitely are. One of the things you mentioned around the business critical component, and let's even take this away from Web3 for a second, is right now with a lot of uncertainty within the economy, the first place that most organizations are, are kind of going to save some money is on the diversity budget. Suddenly they don't need a diversity director of DNI. They'll roll mm. that into the HR function, for example. And I see this happening a lot. And the, the message that effectively sends is that you do not inherently understand or have made the connection that having more diversity at all levels in your organization is going to be an enabler for growth, right? So everybody can mm-hmm. kind of trot out these stats at this stage around, oh, companies with three or more diverse members on their board make X percent more money or whatever. But I don't actually know that really sort of lands or that people fully understand why that is. And if we take it to Web3, And you look at some of the organizations that have imploded because of mismanagement. One of the clear areas where there isn't diversity is age diversity. So, Mm -hmm. so I can think about so many different examples where, well, of course there was, this company was run by four 20 something white guys that have no real commercial experience. And that's great because we all, I think, really support entrepreneurship, but you have to build a complementary leadership team, not just people who look exactly the same as you and all went to the same university. And so I think it's interesting because you can see your point around it being business critical and not finding out until it's too late. We've got all these live examples of, imagine if you'd had someone who actually understood regulation, for example, maybe you wouldn't, you would have been able to save yourself a lot of heartache in, in terms of the, what subsequently happened. Yeah, because you can imagine there's, there's probably a graph somewhere of a kind of age and risk and age and experience of probably the older people, <clears throat> sorry, 
the older people get, the more likely they are to have a family to support and maybe mm-hmm. they'll be less likely to take risks in their career with something like Web3, which is so volatile. But then, of course, as you say, if they're experienced in something like, whether it's regulation, anything else like that, they've got so much to bring to the table. So mm-hmm. again, it's kind of wild to me that we don't have more diverse teams that we're sort of seeing in the space. You're right, it, it is quite so sort of limited in terms of the sort of age diversity, certainly in sort of events I've attended or leaders I've seen, that kind of thing. Mm. I love the idea that your events are in person. I know you talked about sort of diversifying the medium and the channels, which I think is great, but it's also great to have that in real life component as well, because it's almost a lot of things go the, the opposite direction where it's, everything is virtual. And I still think we thrive off of human face-to-face, in-person interaction. So what do your events look like and what sorts of topics do you discuss? Mm. So we try to make sure that the content of it, as ever, is appropriate for beginners, sort of, I guess, beginner to intermediate. So it's a little bit tricky to kind of make sure that you're keeping everyone interested because you don't want to overwhelm the beginners, but you also don't want to bore people that kind of already now work in this space. So yeah, we sort of try and balance that. You know, we might have had a session about DAOs or like our International Women's Day programming. We did like a whole half day conference. And some of that, a a way of kind of managing that is talking about things like what it's like working in Web3. That's something that everybody can relate to and it matters to everybody in the room. And you don't necessarily need the kind of in-depth technical knowledge or anything like that to to understand why Web3 matters in your life or it relates to people's real lives. I guess also people seem to get a lot out of coming together, I guess, as you were saying. And I think there is a kind of electricity in the room when you get all these women together in Web3 that I guess if, they were, if they're used to being the minority in a room, then mm-hmm. when you put them all together as the majority in a room, there is this feeling of coming home and being like, oh mm-hmm. my God, I'm like also represented. Like I see people like me. And yeah, that's something that people seem to really value. And I do find that every time we have an event, we haven't had one in a while actually, but every time we do have one, we get follow-up messages, whether it's directly afterwards or I don't know, in the coming weeks. And it'll be like, oh, I met up with um, so-and-so for a coffee. And I honestly get a lot of messages or tweets, et cetera, about people that have gone for coffees with each other that had never mm-hmm. met until connecting up one yeah, of these events. Yeah, so it's really and, uh, facilitating connection. Yeah. And I think, again, people seem really excited about that and understandably so. I think it's partly because of everybody is a learner in Web3. So mm-hmm. if you can kind of buddy up like that and feel like you're on the same page as somebody else, people really value that. I've been like, okay, let's learn together then. Mm -hmm. So when you think about people coming to your community to uh, really help them maybe enter the space for the first time through the job opportunities or sort of navigate into sort of different roles, what do you think are some of the unique barriers that women would face in in a career in Web3? The unique barriers I think I do worry that sometimes the speed of Web3 is not compatible with real life, especially something like parenting. You know, so being a mum, but being a parent in Web3 is hard. Mm. Um, and I'm personally a tiny bit insulated from that as by running my own business. I'm sort of technically in control of my time and how I spend it. I mean, it is still really busy, but it's ultimately my decision rather than being required or pressured or in whatever sense pushed towards growth by an employer which is it's a different thing of course and yeah I I do worry about people's mental health and 
yeah, the fact that if any job these days and working in tech anywhere can be quite strained, can be quite full on, quite stressful. And uh, especially because the nature of things like crypto, et cetera, crypto never sleeps and it just, it just doesn't work that well with real life and being able to kind of in, in, I suppose enjoy your real life. And mm-hmm. I, I do worry about that for women specifically, if they've got other kind of caring responsibilities at home, whether it's as a parent or they might be sort of taking the lead in terms of caring for their aging parents. Um, a, a lot of this stuff does naturally fall more on women in households. And so I, I do worry about the kind of growth at all costs mindset in Web3. And I think that is something that maybe needs addressing that you kind of got the kind of Bitcoin maxis, et cetera. And yeah, it just doesn't necessarily work with real life. So if we can start making improvements, things like slowing down a tiny bit or just kind of making it work for real people, if you make it work better for women, that does also make it work better for everybody. It doesn't have to have a sort of negative impact on others. So, so I guess I'm quite optimistic about where we might be able to improve things. Yeah, because it is the fastest route to burnout, though, isn't it, with the unreasonable demands? And I, I think the challenge for a lot of organizations that, that may say, now we encourage balance or we don't require people to work these hours mm. is actually looking at what is the culture that you've created because what happens is you join an organization and you see everybody else is working like 16, 17 hour days and you think that um, you need to be doing the same thing in order to be perceived as committed or competent or whatever it is. And so it, it, there is a responsibility on employers to, to take quite explicit action to create a culture that, that supports balance. It's not enough to say, well, we don't expect that of anyone because mm-hmm. the culture isn't just about what's formally said. It's about the kind of norms that exist. Exactly. So if you see somebody you know, in your team or more junior, et cetera, working 17 hour days, I suppose yeah, if, if they are more junior, then that's when you sort of step in and say, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that. Not in a, you should be getting your work done in a less time, but yeah. just, yeah, you shouldn't be sort of working all hours because also from an employer point of view, that's not going to get the best out of people because no. you also don't, you don't want your employees to burn out. I think that's, I think that's what I find a bit of a, sorry, word. <laughs> I'm not going to swear, but it's, confusing to me that employers wouldn't see that they can sort of get the best out of people if they aren't encouraging that kind of work mm-hmm. culture as you say yes yeah, 17 hour d- days don't work for anybody whether it's kind of in leadership or otherwise and and yeah a, a company can't make money if its employers employees are burning out so again mm. it comes to that point of sort of being business critical there's a reason to look after your employees and it's because they're the ones doing the work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've talked, uh, alluded to this a couple of times around entrepreneurship. You are an entrepreneur and it looks like you've done an incredible job. What would you say have been your biggest learns over the course of the last year or two in setting up your business and kind of going from side hustle, as you said, to, to really this point of growth? Mm. I mean, there've been a lot of learnings. I think. I did run a previous side hustle, so I'd, I think I'd learned a lot of the, I guess the 
basics in terms of the more like the production side of things. When I had a previous side hustle called Power Suit Social, which was about the future of the creative industries and how massive change. So whether it's kind of from the political standpoint or things like tech and what impact that has on on how people can make money from creative work because that was my sort of working in ad agencies and I do just find the future fascinating but but so as I said the kind of production side of like how to make a podcast how to build a community I sort of learned the ropes doing that and so Mm -hmm. I could then apply that again with the sort of my new shiny thing which was kind of thinking okay how do you get women into this web3 space how do you sort of educate people successfully and again build a community around it so i've been learning more and more of that on the fly but i think i suppose my learnings this time around have been more on the sort of communication side of things of like how do you get the best out of people if you're all working remotely how do you i guess it's also what kind of boss do i want to be so we hadn't, don't even have like full-time employees yet. That's sort of next on the cards. But all of the suppliers and people that or freelancers, contractors, everybody that we work with, how do I come across to them? Because it matters so much to me that people feel good about working with women of Web3. They're like, having a rubbish boss can have such a massive impact on people's mental health. And I would never want to be that person. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's kind of thinking about, yeah, how I communicate. Because I'm quite informal and like chatty and I use a lot of emojis and things like that. But it's kind of trying to do that in a sort of managed way so that you're not being unprofessional or leading to people, I guess, sort of stepping over boundaries or Mm -hmm. it becoming too much like something like a sort of more like a friendship. Because then how do you also motivate that person to kind of complete the work and to to the sort of higher standards, et cetera. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I guess it's that learning how to communicate with lots of different types of people globally at all slightly random hours. But um, but then also maintaining my own boundaries in terms of things like, I don't really want to do too many evening things unless it's something that matters to me. Yeah. So I, I do go to kind of, say, networking events or speaking gigs and things like that in the evening, but only if I feel like we'll get enough out of it, like whether mm-hmm. it's personally or as women of Web3. The same with something like speaking on Twitter spaces at 9pm. So like, I turned one down at 10 p.m. because I was like, you know what? No, <laughs> like, yeah. it does look really interesting, but I don't, I don't really feel like speaking from 10 to 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got um, a toddler asleep in the other room. I just, it's, yeah, it's kind of weighing up the balance of like what matters enough. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's all been a juggling act. And then I guess also being a, I guess a sort of solopreneur, it, mm-hmm. it, it is also a little bit lonely. So kind of trying to build a network of people that understand understand I guess what you're going through like how to kind of navigate each of those challenges so I mean I wish I wish I also had a sort of amazing arsenal of like mates that have legal training or things like that (laughs) I think some other people have that kind of thing but I mean yeah um, maybe people should reach out afterwards but it would be helpful to have um there's people like that in your back pocket that like Mm -hmm. with sort of specialist knowledge like that that you can sort of chat with but yeah maybe that could be next Mm -hmm. yeah no but you've Obviously, the, what you've built is a community, but what you've also referenced is the importance of community as a founder as well. And a solopreneur doesn't and shouldn't actually mean it's a solo journey. And I completely, I can really empathize with that as well in, in some of my own business ventures is kind of finding other people that are at, almost at the same stage and 
maybe ahead of you. And it's incredibly reassuring to, to kind of have that network of people to kind of lean on. I will say that your community is really well regarded, as are you in the industry. And I think I'd mentioned this to you before that I muttered a lot of really wonderful things from across the pond about the, about your um, community that you've built. Not many people are able to sort of, I guess, achieve that level of recognition in, in such a short space of time, right? So you've been able to really gather, gain a lot of momentum and it's very impressive. What would you say was the sort of top two or three things that enabled you to, to build your community in such a, a rapid, but authentic and meaningful way. Then that's a, a massive compliment. So thank you so much. I would say in terms of like, yeah, how we scaled it quickly, I haven't thought of number three yet, but the first couple, <laughs> I think one of the biggest things has been about sharing learnings mm-hmm. of, I guess, not being afraid to say that I'm also on a learning journey. And so sharing what I learned along the way, I suppose I did that more initially. And I think because other people had that same kind of hunger to understand this area better, they were like, okay, she seems to be one or two steps ahead of where I am. So I'm going to, I'm going to follow along and sort of Mm -hmm. see where she gets to. So sharing learnings and, and also I think it's that passion and enthusiasm, I think is what is getting people excited about it. I see a real kind of bright future in web 3.0. I don't see it as kind of decimating big tech of today, but I see it as additive and I'm excited for what comes next. And I quite enjoy the, the fact that it's this kind of unfinished story. Mm-hmm. And so, sh- so sharing that passion. Sorry, go on. No, go. Um, and I guess maybe the third thing is again, that sort of accessibility point of like, this is the kind of thing that you could gate it, whether sort of a NFT token gating or in whatever way doing a sort of paid membership, but actually if you make it free, make it accessible to everybody, that does that speaks to everybody. Any, anybody would want to get involved. And I think people have appreciated that, that sort of open door policy. You don't need a crypto wallet to sit with us. Mm-hmm. And I think people really like that. And again, it's that kind of getting rid of the fearfulness because mm-hmm. what we are hearing from the commu- community of women is they do find Web3 intimidating. And so anything you can do to kind of, yeah, op- open those doors, break down the jargon, makes people feel good. So I think, I think that's what's have a really positive impact. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, you don't have to have a crypto wallet is in of itself a big win because half the people who are sat there are probably sat there because they want to know how to get a crypto wallet. Totally, totally. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, it's a nice, it's, it's a nice segue as we wrap up. So what is next? What else can we expect to see from Women of Web3? What's to come? Well, that's all top secret, obviously. <laughs> no, um, no, I'm, I'm excited for what's coming next. I think, again, we're always kind of on a learning journey in terms of just slightly shaping things as we go. If I'd like to have mm-hmm. in, in this area, in the Web3 space, I like to have a kind of 50, 50 to 60% of a plan. And the rest is kind of based on how things go and like what interesting yeah. opportunities land on in the inbox. But I guess things that we're excited about are some amazing upcoming events in kind of September, October, and November. In some of those are in London, and one of them is online. But with a view to, we want to sort of scale more online events as well. And I'm also starting another business alongside because I felt like I wasn't busy enough, and so might as well. <laughs> but actually, it does kind of connect to that monetization point of if you're going to make 
if Women of Web3 is absolutely everything for free, mm-hmm. then you monetize through brand partnerships to kind of keep the lights on. And so if brands at the moment have kind of, whether it's budget cuts or they're kind of unable to commit budget at the moment while they're kind of in decision-making limbo, then it was, okay, actually, because I don't want to, and I never want to charge the Women of Web3 community for this stuff. So maybe there is an opportunity to sort of build some kind of digital products separately that Maybe it sounds greedy being like that they can actually pay for, but someone's going to pay for something at some point because otherwise, how do I pay I my mean, you're, you're not a non-profit. <laughs> well, I guess that's it. Okay. Okay. I'm, a, I'm allowed to say that we're not a non-profit. <laughs> but so, so this is a, another business is going to, is called the side chain and that's specifically aimed at founders and freelancers. And it's slightly broader than Web3. So it's a Web3 and AI education. So we're starting off with one course and I'm co-founding that with someone called Bex Perfect, who's also a kind of Web3 educator in the space. And so, I guess I'm excited for that because it's a, a slightly different model because that's about using Web3 to grow your business mm-hmm. um, rather than a sort of broader education piece of like just sort of helping you make sense of it and meet other women and connect mm-hmm. and potentially getting a job in it. This is kind of if you already do your own thing and you're thinking about how does Web3 potentially work for you. So, so yeah, that's one of the, one of the many things on the to-do list. <laughs> I, I I think that sounds great. I genuinely do. Will that is is the idea to to roll that out through a series of digital courses? Do you see it kind of going beyond that? Yes. So initially, we'll just have one flagship course, mm-hmm. and we've got all the other kind of all the other stuff is kind of ready to go ideas wise. But we want to see how the first one goes in terms of what people react to. Do they actually? It might turn out that actually people really want more like a cohort based learning where they can connect with each other in private groups. So we're going to be sort of testing and learning, seeing what people like and don't like. But the idea is, yeah, that it would be kind of digital products, digital downloadables. And also because the space changes so fast, you you can't not keep um, updating what we offer. So maybe in a year or two, maybe it'll also be kind of like retreat style, that kind kind Uh of thing. I'd love for it to be a sort of scale in that style because there's plenty of people that offer that kind of business for web two of kind of Mm -hmm. how can you use social media to grow your business and this will be the kind of equivalent of that for the next iteration of the internet how exciting that sounds fantastic (laughs) thank you so yeah honestly i was blown away by what you were saying about the the i guess the sort of reputation of the community so i'm Mm -hmm. I'm glad that what we're doing is resonating Mm -hmm. it absolutely is well i mean there's so much more that we could we could talk about and uh, we'd love to have you back on at some point in the future and see where your community is next and find out more about your new business for our listeners where can people find you so you've got your own amazing podcast and a bunch of different channels what's the best place for people to follow on with with women of web3 of course, yeah. So our website is womenofweb3.co and so our handles on all the channels are at womenofweb3co. And I think probably also the best place to stay in touch is on my LinkedIn. So I'm just Lauren Ingram on LinkedIn. And then that's where I share things like the Women of Web3 podcast, any like upcoming events we've got. And that's probably where I'm most active. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that is all included in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for sharing so generously and providing your perspective. I've really enjoyed having you and I'm sure our listeners will have gotten a lot of value from hearing your take on things as well. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you, Jeanette. Thank you. And then for our listeners, we are excited to see you next week with another episode of Web3 Disruptors. But for now, goodbye.